and I'm taking the class just to be able to learn more about how I can get involved with Youngstown. Town, not only just getting involved, but being able to make a change with the community. Hi everyone, my name is Megan. I'm a junior as well. I'm an advertising and public relations major and a graphic design minor. And I was really interested in taking this class because I want to learn more about how we can uh, build the city up and do a lot of things. Hi, I'm Mara McLeod. Um, I'm also a junior. <laughs> um, I'm a history major and I have a lot of minors for some reason. Um, I have a political science, communication studies, and Spanish minors. Um, and I took this seminar because that's kind of a controversial thing to say, but I'm hopefully going into politics. Um, that's how I'm looking right now, law or politics. Are you and voting for Hillary or Trump? Oh, God. I'm kidding. You have to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Hate me. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm kidding. Um, but, and I... I'm kind of a progressive person, so I want to make places better and everything and anything better that I can, even if it's in a little way or a big way. And so I feel like this is a nice step in where I grew up to start that. Great. My name is Dan. I'm a freshman here at YSU. I'm a major in business administration with a dual minor in entrepreneurship and And I want to learn how to get better involved in the community. And I want to deepen my understanding of the municipal system. All right. Hi, I'm Emily Smith. Um, I'm technically a sophomore yet in YSU. I'm a student in Williamson and in Kishwa. I'm a dual major in business and fashion, and I have a coffee shop, Cozy Coffee Bar, out at White House Fruit Farm. If you guys have ever heard of it, see Where is it? White House Fruit Farm. Yeah. We're a separate entity, but we're in a little parking lot. So. Um, Dan's I got do. kids, so he's going to go get pumpkins yeah. and come patronize you. <laughs> same with Danny. But well, we have pumpkin spice if you're not too hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I do on my weekends. And um, I took the course so I could get into downtown Youngstown, get involved in the community, and make it someplace that people don't go, oh, I want to go to Kent because there's nothing to do in Youngstown. Hi, my name is Evan. Uh, I'm a sophomore. I'm a graphic design. Major. Um, Plays baseball for Bertolini Catola. Yeah. So you I sold me a hot dog at the football game. I was at the register. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's really known for. Yes. <laughs> so sick. Who's a professional? <laughs> so yeah, um, I took this class because um, with baseball, I came on a recruiting trip and the one thing a lot of people would be like, oh, you, you go to Youngstown. I'd be like, yeah. I'm like, oh. I'm like, what, what do you mean by that? So I think it's really important to um, understand more about not just coming here to play baseball, but like understand the community and just the history behind it. So Where are you from? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I'm a Steelers fan. Of course you are. You're from Pittsburgh. Unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Then uh, you guys, if you want to introduce yourselves real quick, and then we'll get into some of the questions. Sure. I can go first. I'm Danny Catullo. I own a third generation butcher shop. I have since I came home from Ohio State. I actually took over from my father and uncle. I had to buy them out. They were both having health problems after they had just moved the store to Borman Poland area right by Marks. We ship online, so we ship all over the country. And because of that, I won FedEx's small business grant. And with that, got to film a commercial with FedEx. And now I go across the country speaking about perishable shipping for them. 
So because of that, I started two other businesses, Perishable Shipping Solutions, which is a warehouse off Corrego, where we help people do perishable fulfillment from anything from ice creams, pies, and of course, steaks and bacon. And I also have a new website called foodiecrave.com, which helps people upload their food products, gourmet food products, and be able to put them on a marketplace, sort of Etsy for food. Pretty cool. Uh, similar to Danny, I'm Dan Raschuti. I am a urologist. Uh, does everybody know, or anybody know what a urologist is? Anybody have kidney stones? Okay, well, urology... Right, we have your website right here, Dan. <laughs> urology is one of... You got any diagrams. Ur, urology is one of those fields when you go into medical school that you, nobody ever says, I want to be a urologist. But it's a wonderful, wonderful field. And like Danny, I'm in business second generation. My father's a urologist, and I just saw the pictures up there. My brother is a urologist with me, and then we're in a group with a couple other family members, urologists, and then we brought in a non-family member, that guy at the bottom there. And so we have a, a very vibrant practice uh, in Boardman, Austintown, and Warren, and so we cover the area. I grew up here. I love it here, and um, just wanted to bring the next generation of, of this specific field to this area. My name is Tim Petrie. Um, I am the managing partner for H.D. Davis CPAs. Uh, we are a, a regional CPA firm here in Northeast Ohio. We've got four offices, uh, two here in Youngstown, uh, one in Canton and one in Geauga County. Uh, we specialize in small medium-sized business and um, my specialty has always been tax and uh, technology. Born and raised in Youngstown, I've uh, been around small business my whole life. My family has had uh, Youngstown Cycle Supply and Boardman for 45 years, um, so I have I've I've been a part of that lifestyle since I was a little kid. So that's that's what drew me to staying in the small business at least. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming and joining us today. Um, as I was telling Tim before everybody got here. Uh, the students have uh, sat through two presentations from community leaders at, at this point um, that were based on the nonprofit sector. Uh, first one was Jim Costler, who I think all of you have some interaction with or have had, and from the Exxon Business Incubator. And our last speaker uh, was Ian Beniston, the uh, director of the Youngstown Neighborhood Development Corporation. So, small business, uh, community development, nonprofit side of uh, Youngstown, and, and now you guys are our private sector speaker panel. So. Uh, you touched on a little bit about what each of you uh, do or are involved in, in Youngstown and why. Uh, well, we want to dig a little deeper into that. So uh, the one sheet, this one, it says the podcast format, format City of You Speakers. We, um, we're going to have a little discussion with those four first questions uh, and dive, again, dive a little deeper into them. Um, we're going to let Carly come in and introduce herself real quick before we get started. But today, I've been reading the questions and... Uh, kind of coordinating the dialogue uh, the last two classes, but since some of them are doing uh, their projects around interviewing, uh, you know, residents and uh, activists in the city, uh, we're going to let the students, you know, whoever wants to, ask the questions today. Great. So, uh, we'll, we'll kind of ask a question, then each of you can address it separately, or if there's any overlap, you can feel free to, to do it in tandem. So, real quick, Carly, we just introduced ourselves, and we're going to dive into the questions real quick, but... You can okay. introduce yourself. I'm Carly Lowry. I'm um, a social work major and I'm from Connorsville, PA. I don't know what else. And why did you take the class? I took this class um, to try to 
kind of see how to work with the community for social work aspects, kind of like how to get resources, basically. Sorry, you caught me off guard. No, no, no. great. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That, that, that was fun. All right, who uh, in the class wants to ask questions today? First. Yeah, first. Evan, you want to go? You started off. Let's go. We always start down here with Sarah, so we'll go with you. Get a little break. So we bring out the sheet, or like? Yeah, you can you can make it your own. We read off the sheet. You've observed twice now, so leave your leave your comfort zone. Alrighty. I know Berlini's cell phone number, so. I mean, obviously we know where you guys are from, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean. Was for for you and neurology, sorry, urology. Obviously, your your dad was a urologist, right? Is still is still yeah sorry. no yeah. When you first started medical school, I mean, where did you go first and foremost? So I my education was I went to Poland High School, went to John Carroll University, and then went to NeoMed, which was then NeoUConn, but they changed the name. And so I've been in Northeast Ohio, other than for a year of my life, I lived in Pittsburgh during my training. Um, and uh, so, what was your question? Oh, what was I, when I went to medical school? Yeah, what was your like intent? My intent was to go in with an open mind, but if I had to guess at the time, I probably would have been a pediatrician. I like kids, uh, and, and I realized you really like, when you go through medical school, you, you go through rotations and you're like, eh, I don't think that's for me, I don't think that's for me. And I kind of realized in my third year I wanted to do surgery. And once you get into surgery, then it's like there's a finite amount of things. And there's certain things that are very unappealing from a living a normal human life standpoint. <laughs> and certain things that are more, more appealing. And urology kind of came to the top. But then I was going to do plastic surgery. And then I realized like, I wanted to do like the medical side of it. People who have breast cancer need reconstruction. And I realized most of plastic surgery is reconstructive for cosmetics, which is fine, but I, I didn't want to be doing it. And my brother said, why don't you do urology? He said, I want to do urology. It's disgusting and all this stuff. And it's been the best, best decision I made from a career standpoint. Okay. So for you, Dan, real quick, I'll, I'll jump back and forth. Um, why Youngstown? I mean, did you have opportunities to go other places? Obviously, you have the family connection, which was prime, but was there other reasons that... Probably the, exact, probably the exact same reason as these guys. In Youngstown, people tend to um, either live in Youngstown as adults because they grew up here or because they married someone from here. It's very rare. As a patient, as a doctor, I'm talking to a patient, oh, why do you live in Youngstown? Where are you from? It's very rare for me to hear someone from Buffalo, New York, who come here other than for GM. So they do come for certain big businesses. But it's usually, oh, my wife is from here. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's something that most people... So I came back here because I've always really liked it. I think it's a great place, as all do you, you all do as well. I, I would say GM and YSU probably are the two different reasons why someone has moved here, especially interacting with customers all the time. You know, why are you, you know, just explain the area and whatnot. I, I got to live in Columbus, so I got to live in a much larger city. For five years, that's where I went to Ohio State. I did not plan on being a butcher, but I was like, fuck that, I'm out of here, I'm never coming back. And I was a theater major my first year. So I mean, I went way off the grid. 
And I was like, never come back to Youngstown. Well, you got to your FedEx commercial, though, the theater degree. Yeah, exactly. I use it all the time. <laughs> Which is true, too. You use all that stuff. I know. Learn. Why did you come back then? I, for me, with the business and the city, I think it was like my sophomore year of summer. And I came back, and I was no longer working for my dad and my uncle. I started, my dad and my uncle really wanted to hear what I was learning and be able to start making decisions. And then I started making decisions for myself in the business. And like that, I really loved. And then I no longer was fourth, fifth in line assistant manager, Danny. I was someone they looked up to, someone that was bringing you know, a different aspect to the business back. And I was still able to use what they had learned. And then they were so smart and years of experience doing butchery. But I was able to apply stuff that I enjoyed, like statistics and Excel and using digital marketing and going out and talking about it, which was stuff that I got to bring to the business, so I got to bring back. But I thought that this area was so unique because even if you aren't from the city of Youngstown, people say they're from Youngstown. And so that's not how it is in other cities. Like if you're from a suburb of Columbus, you say you're from Hilliard. You don't say you're from Columbus. But if you're from Poland or Boardman or Canfield or Struthers, you say you're from Youngstown. And so the people like that were in Columbus with me, those Youngstown people, we tend to congregate together. We saw each other. And I just, there's such a different vibe in Youngstown than there is in other cities. And I enjoy going to large cities and visiting. But as far as where to raise my family, where I want to enjoy, I love the melting pot of cultures that we have here. Well said. Tim, you want to add to that? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been here... I've been here my whole life, and, and I've been to a lot of big cities. I've, I've been on, I've spent a lot of time in Chicago. I've spent a lot of time in New York City. I've spent a ton of time in Cleveland and Pittsburgh as well. Um, and, and there's just something, there's something about this area that, that has always been appealing to me. Um, it's it's kind of like a, a, the small family feeling where, you know, you, you can know everybody, you can make an impact, you can make a difference, and you see that pretty quick. You know, especially even in college, you're, you're still you're still doing things um, you know, to better your education. But at the same time, you can be doing things like this and actually making an impact on the entire city. Um, and and I got a little taste of that uh, when I was in school. Uh, I was in the the uh, bomb shelter next door at the business college, and we were working. On, I was on the planning committee for the new building, and I got to see what you know all the little input that we had. To making this beautiful facility um, and that, that was going to change this city and it is already starting to change this city um, and and I just I fell in love with that and I, and I knew at that point in time when, when I got to contribute to something on that scale uh, in my mind was just was awesome uh, and, and, and it was a it was a no-brainer at that point uh, I actually I had a couple of job offers to go work at, at big four firms in uh, one in DC and one in Cleveland and I stayed here, took a job working for $9 an hour answering phones with a college degree um, to get started at the firm that I was with, uh, with H.D. Davis. You know, we, I, I came there kind of just thinking that it would be a, a short-term thing, um, but I saw just a, a little sliver of an opportunity. So I came there, I started you know, answering phones and started to do more and more work and... and um, you know, again, you, you could you could be a part of something much much larger, uh, at a at a 
at a much faster pace and, and uh, go, go on a timeline that would be unheard of elsewhere. Yeah, I know like my friends that have graduated from Ohio State and maybe moved away, or even if they went to YSU and then moved away, it's not as easy to make an impact as it is here at a young age. And I know like when, when Dom first moved home and we would have lunch and there would be like this big group of young entrepreneurs and young people that were moving back to the area maybe for the first time. And we were like, okay, you know, we want to do something. And immediately we were able to. In fact, the adults were like, yeah, come on board. And so like we were like in the boardroom with the other people that were much older than us and we're like, holy shit, this is for real. <laughs> Like, we're now adults, like, we have to, like, you know, maybe not swear as much. I still love this, dude. Um, oh, we'll censor the recording. Yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, this but, you know, we got to... Up here, though. We can, we can be loose. Like, yeah, be a little loose. We got to go into those rooms, I think, a lot faster. And I know that my friends have been able to. And when you're in a large city, it's, it, you can get lost in that big sea. And, and here we can be big fish in a small pond. And I really enjoy the thought that you know, when I'm walking down the street that, yes, you know, I helped plan that or I helped with that committee on doing something or I helped give back to that, you know, aspect. And, you know, it's really, it's really cool when you say like the speakers that were here, like YNDC and YBI and here I have one of my businesses is in the YBI and I just taught an entrepreneur class for the YNDC and I, I love that connection. It's like I know someone from somewhere, everywhere, and I really enjoy being connected to the community like that. There is a difference between Youngstown. Who is not from Youngstown? Just you, Evan? Where are you from? Conisol, PA. Where is Conisol, PA? It's like an hour south of Pittsburgh. Okay. It's two hours from here. So there, I think there's a difference between Youngstown. Maybe it's just that we all from Youngstown think that we're so special and that place is special. <laughs> but I do think there is something special about it that I, it's kind of intangible. Maybe you guys know what it is. But if you go to a, an equivalent-sized town... What's another equivalent-sized town of Youngstown? Flint. Erie. Flint. Erie. Erie's a good example. So you go to Erie, and I've never been to Erie, so it's not fair for me to compare, but I don't think they have that, what Danny was talking about, is there is some, there's some connection. When you meet someone from Youngstown, if you're in California, first thing you say is, where'd you go to high school? And, and do you know so-and-so? And there's so much connectivity, and I think that I have a theory that that comes from the, the immigrant backgrounds and everybody's you know we had all these microcosms years and years ago and everybody was so connected and then I don't know maybe that has nothing to do with it but this town is special that way this town people are really connected and, and that is really what attracted me back to I felt almost like of course I'm gonna come back here like why this is home you know I, I, yeah it's what you do you come back here, <laughs> you know? but I wanted to I mean it was compelled to come back you talked about something, Dan, and I think it's important for this class because one of the overarching goals of the class is, and I think Dan said it well in his introduction, understanding the municipal system, right? And like you said, when we, when we were getting lunch when I first moved back here, we were like, oh, what the hell do we do now? Like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, immediately we found ourselves in the boardroom, we're invited to the table, we're asked to do this project or assist with that, and you're, you are like, holy cow, this is happening. What's that, like... For me, I still go through it. It's when someone that you looked up to is now looking up to you. What's some advice you can give them? Because, again, that overarching goal is understanding the municipal system, but not being overwhelmed by getting involved into it. You know, what's your point? What's your trigger point, point of entry? Um, because even though it's great that Youngstown's so connected, you can easily get involved, you can get very overwhelmed very fast. And it's important to learn how to say no or 
let me think about it. Um, but it is, you know, you do want to take that chance with someone of importance. So, like, if Jim Costler asks you to do something, you want to jump at it, right? Because you know, everybody knows who Jim is, and there's a great opportunity there. But it might, you know, as uh, I think Ian and I, well, both of our speakers have said, when Jim was asked, you know, do you do, somebody asked a good question, like, do you community, like, work in the community? And he said, no, it's not what they do. Ian, do you do uh, business development? Nope, not what they do. So how do you maybe, how do you balance that? How do you find yourself? Start with Tim, you know, when you were first kind of asked uh, to maybe step into the boardroom or cross that threshold, how did you handle it and what is some advice you can give to them? Um, it, was it was certainly a, a, a challenge. The first, first time I had been asked to um, get involved in something, my expectation was, was very different than what I was getting into. Um, I was asked to be the, um, the treasurer for the ballet school downtown. Um, and and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people on the board that are, are, are big-named individuals in town, and I said, oh, this is a great opportunity to get, get around some of these people, get some exposure. I know nothing about ballet. You know, I tell people that, you know, I'm, I'm involved in this organization, and they look at me like, really? <laughs> uh, you know, so... Um, but I, I found out really fast um, that, that you have to learn to say no sometimes uh, because the, the more that you say yes, it's like, uh, what's that children's book, uh, when you give a mouse a cookie? So it just, it keeps progressing into this, into this big thing and then, and then you're, you're spread so thin you can't actually contribute in, in the areas in which you're passionate, um, which was my biggest challenge. Was I, I, for the longest time I dedicated so much time to helping that organization um, that I lost my ability to do some of the other things I was passionate about. So it, it took me a while to realize it, and it took doing it and getting kind of overloaded to be able to step back and say, whoa, 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 we got to change this. Uh, we got to source some of this other stuff out so I can get back to doing the things that, that I'm passionate about. Um, but unfortunately, I, I don't know that, that you can learn that by anything other than doing it, doing it and, and figuring out the hard way. Dan's great answer, Tim. So, from, from my standpoint, my my priorities have been and will continue to be my family and my patients. And so, if those two are my priorities, those take up pretty much everything that I have. And after after that, you do have kind of scraps as far as time of what you can allot. And part of it, with I think just being in medicine, the demands of you know being on call or whatever, that also limits my ability. So what I've decided to do is do what I know. I know medicine, I know prostate cancer. A good example is the Rich Center. Dom and I are connected through our families with the Rich Center for Autism. And I thought when I came back to town, I'm like, I'm gonna really get involved with that. And I'm gonna really like sit on the board and do all that. And I probably could and maybe someday I still will. But for me, it's so much out of my scope of what I know that I don't feel like I'm very helpful there. So I'm helpful to create awareness of, of what we can do for people, and I'm, I'm very big in the awareness for prostate cancer. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Man Up Mahoning Valley. Has anybody heard of it? Be honest if you have. Really? Yeah. Good. See, we're making some strides. So Man Up Mahoning Valley was started because there's this big gap in um, screening for prostate cancer, and, and men are the worst, the worst at it, and thank goodness for men, most of them have wives who drag them by the ear to the doctor to get checked. And um, so that's been my, 
passion when it comes to the community is I can't change, and I, I've said this many times, I cannot change prostate cancer, nor do I want to change. I, I don't have this big nationwide uh, agenda. I, I, I don't think that way. But I can change the way that perception is in this area, in this community, and that's my goal. I'm focusing on what I do for a living, but also trying to empower people to get to the doctor and, and do that in this region. Yeah, and it's tough to understand how much your time is worth, especially when you're young, and then as you quickly get older and realize that you don't have the time and energy, especially as I, you know, I created a family. And so I, would, I have to make sure that my family is being taken care of as well. And so it was really difficult for me to say no, still is difficult for me to say no, um, because I want to give back. That's one of the reasons why I'm here. And one of the sort of aha moments for me, I, I was saying yes to almost everything at one point, and I offered to do a health seminar in Wellsville, Ohio. And Wellsville is like past Steubenville, like towards West Virginia. So it's out in like BFE, and I went to the, the health seminar, and I saw like two people there. So I had driven almost an hour. I had to drive all the way back almost an hour. I spent four hours there and people just weren't into the health seminar. They just didn't come. I mean, the whole spot was set up real nice for me to be there and talk about healthy eating. And I just wa I wasted time because even though I made her day, the person that I said yes to, in those six hours, what could I have been doing? And it could have been spending time with my family, it could have been working, or it could have been doing another project that I felt could make a difference. And I went back and I'm like, I really have to understand how much my time is worth so that I can put it towards the right projects to be able to help people. And I started doing less of that type of, you know, throw it in the air and we'll see how many people are going to be there, to asking those questions to make sure there was going to be a certain amount of people for me to affect with what I'm going to talk about. And I started focusing on really talking to young people now and being able to give some of my information back. And I love talking to classes like this, which is what piqued my interest and why I said yes to this, and doing the entrepreneur classes, doing the speeches at William, uh, Williamson College of Business, because I enjoy letting people your age understand what I've went through so that maybe it can help you not take some of those missteps. Because it's really important to say no and to to know how much your time's worth, like I said. When you do go to a spot though that does work, so not all of them are like this. I mean, there are some boards that you go on and there's not much work that gets done. There's a lot of people that like to pat themselves on the back that they're on a board. And you go to a board and there can be 12 people and 10 can be pretty influential members of the community and they are there just to be on that board. And it can be really difficult, but you've already committed your time. Do not waste it. Listen, try to find people let them talk to you and listen as much as possible. Ask them for coffee, ask them for dinner, whatever it takes to be able to listen and be able to enjoy their company. Because you never know, even if somebody is in a way different profession than you are, there's something that you could be able to learn from that conversation. And the number one conversation that I've had that's helped me in my business was from an engineer. It's from uh, Michael Garvey who owns M7 Technologies. And I asked him the coffee. I mean, we have completely different businesses, right? I have, at the time, no one other than myself in my store out of all 40 employees graduated from college. So I was the only one. And he hires engineers. So he, you know, he's like, like an engineering firm. And so we sat and we talked and we were just bullcrapping over, over coffee. See, I'm doing better. 
uh, just bull crapping over coffee. And he told me, Danny, you know, I really think that you should try to hire smart people and put smart people on your problem. And because I was really having struggles with like disgruntled butchers and just being miserable, they're <laughs> miserable doing their job because they've been doing it for so long. And, and, and it can be a tough job on your body, on your mind, and you get their head down the whole time. So I, I took his advice and I kind of spinned it to what works for me. And I hired college kids to cut meat for the first time. And they were extremely lazy, so they did things really fast. And we learned how to do different ways, and we learned how to apply math to it. And we learned that you know maybe somebody that is a 25-year veteran of cutting meat isn't the best solution for our butcher shop moving forward, especially with an online store. So I took his advice, which was you know nothing more than that, but I'm so glad I had coffee with him because it's changed the way that we've done business. You talk about the, the value of time and, and, and something that had a profound impact. I remember when I was here at, at the business college, um, I was part of Beta Alpha Psi, which is uh, an accounting group um, where we'd bring in professionals and, and they'd come and speak to the group. And um, I, I would always do my best to try and be there when somebody was coming in, and, and I would I ended up missing a lot because I worked I worked quite a bit while I was in college. But the one that I went to. That, that left a, a huge impact was when Tony LaRisha came. Tony LaRisha is an investment guy in town. He works for Merrill Lynch. Um, this, this, he's, he's small in stature, but he's, he's huge in his presence, okay? And he walks in the room and it's really nice suit on, really nice watch, just everything about him just looks right as far as his industry. Before he says a word, he reaches into his pocket and he digs out this wad of $100 bills. And we're all looking at him. What is this guy doing? Is he, is he going to come in here and wave money around and, and, and do something silly? And he, he walked around the room and found anybody that was wearing a watch, put $100 right in front of him, and let him keep it. <laughs> and his comment was that our generation and, and, and our age group doesn't appreciate time and has no concept of how valuable time is. What if they had a cell phone with a clock on it? Too Nothing. bad. <laughs> Raise your hand if you have a watch. Tim's got $100. Yeah. I'll call, I'll call. <laughs> you get a big line. But it was just, it was, it was such story. a cool, yeah, it was such a cool story. thing to be a part of. And it's something that, you know, has always, ever since then, I've always looked at, at problems kind of differently. You know, is, is how can I do this more efficiently? How can I save somebody's time? How can I respect somebody's time better? How can I do things? Um, with being more cognizant about that specifically, um, so I agree one hundred percent. I tell you, it's it, it has a, it's interesting because I noticed it started when I was in college, time management, and in college, I mean, I literally had it down, and my wife still makes fun of me because she's she's I mean, she's an attorney, she's very successful, but she's also much more laid back with time. And she says, this one time we were like, we we're going to go out like rollerblading. She's almost by the hour, so. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but she said, she said, you said to me one time that you have to get back by 9.15 because you have study to do. And I was so into it. And then in medical school, you have to, I had to have time. And I've realized that works really well in my, in my professional life. But then I really have to struggle to turn it off when I get home. Because, you know, like, come on, let's go, let's do it. You know, the kids, you know, kids in your life, they, they drive people crazy. You know? so. I'm sure they say the same thing about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, Dan, you said something uh, about man up 
it's the, it's the uh, civic activity or mm -hmm. uh, philanthropic thing you're involved with. What about you, Tim? Uh, anything specific that you're involved with in the community? And then we'll go to Dan. Dan. I've got uh, two projects, um, one of which has been our mentoring program at the business college. Um, so what, what we do is we mentor up, uh, we, we match up students with professionals in their area that they're interested in. My biggest challenge that I've seen in the business world has been, um, from an accounting standpoint, we tend to be kind of introverted people. Uh, we don't like s these types of situations. Uh, we don't like conflict. We don't, you know, it, it's just one of those things that, as as a as a group, it's something that is is uncomfortable. And I saw that being such a huge problem uh, when I'm interviewing people and I'm trying to find young talent. And I'm seeing people that could otherwise be really good and, and really fantastic candidates, but they're just not, they're not quite, they're not comfortable in their own skin. Um, so over the last couple of years, I've worked with uh, a couple of the professors down there and a couple of student organizations, and, and we've, we keep growing each, each session. Um, we started with a handful of students, and, and we've gone, this last session we had about 20 students with, with 20 professionals, and everybody has loved it. Uh, it's been more rewarding than I anticipated for the mentors uh, because it gave them something um, with a limited time constraint to give back, um, which was really cool. Um, and then our other organization is, is a family project. Um, we have a nonprofit called Brighten Up for Kids. Um, and we do, our family has had some interesting exposure with Akron Children's Hospital. My brother spent the, the large majority of his childhood there. Um, he was born missing, um, I, don't, I always mix it up, tibia, fibula, the weight-bearing bone in your leg. Mm -hmm. He was born missing that bone in his leg. Um, so they ended up replacing it with a lot of different things. Eventually they, they put a rib in there. And it was this, it, this huge deal at the hospital. Um, you know, we've spent a lot of time back and forth there over the years, and then my sister has had her, her son there quite a bit, so um, we collect toys and um, different things for around the holidays, uh, so when the kids are in the hospital, we're able to provide the hospital with some of those things to make it less of a crappy experience while the kids are at the hospital. That's really cool. So. Yeah. I'm involved in a lot of different organizations. Uh, none that I'm on the like technically on the board of, but I, I work a lot with uh, the Youngstown uh, Youngstown Kitchen Incubator, and with the Commonwealth Kitchen, with YNDC, with the Incubator, teaching some entrepreneur classes. I also do stuff for potential development. Um, been on a commercial for them, done some stuff on the board for them. My wife is the president of Making Kids Count which helps underprivileged kids be able to enjoy some of the things that we take for granted, such as like a snack on our birthday, and if you're going into foster care to have a bag of clothes and things that belong just to you. And it's been a pretty cool organization. I, I, I'm not directly involved with them, but we do a lot of things when it comes to food out of my store to be able to help some families that wouldn't be able to afford a really nice Christmas meal or Thanksgiving meal. So some stuff that we're able to do there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think at this time, you guys are free to ask, uh, guys and girls, you're free to ask questions 
uh, particular things that they you know talked about that you'd like to maybe hear more about, um, or something about their profession specifically um, that maybe you, you thought their profession did or you did hear them just talk about, um, and then maybe specific questions about your project maybe where their networks cross might be able to influence or impact your project. So we'll turn it over to you guys and girls. Sorry. Dan, you want to start? Mm, no, thank you. No? Okay. I, I did have another question. Okay. You guys kind of did touch upon it, but um, was there ever a time when, after you guys were established here where you, I don't know, regretted your decision at all? I mean, you guys talk a lot about the success that you've had. Has there ever been a point where you know you've you've been on a board or you're working through a project and you just hit a brick wall and you're just like, what do you do? And if so, um, what did you do? I mean, relative to being here. Yeah. I'll, I'll answer that. I honestly, I haven't. I, I there's enough pluses here. I know I'm smart enough to know that there's, the grass is not greener on the other side. And I've been other places like these guys have. I've lived in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, um, and I've and I visited other places, and I think, you know what, this, this place has ev everything you want, in my opinion. Um, so I've never professionally even looked back and said, because in, in healthcare it's different though too. In healthcare you can do the same type of things anywhere, you don't, you know. I sell retail, so yeah, there's a lot of times where I'm like, the Youngstown customer can be a very difficult customer to get spend, to spend money on you know, our products. So like there are times that I'm like, man, you know, if my store was in downtown Pittsburgh, would I have to explain why a strip steak costs ten dollars? You know, and my grandma's one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but she still comes in. Oh yeah. Um, but I think for me my pivot was using the advantages of the area to help my brand become a bigger national brand. So I knew that the advantages of the area was there was cheaper rent here, that employees can make less and still have a better life. So $15 an hour goes a lot more in Youngstown than it does in those cities that we mentioned. So I knew that we could be able to do things like cut age steaks that are prime and put them online and actually be even cheaper than somebody going to a shop in Boston or in Chicago or in LA, even with the shipping cost, because their meat cutters had to make double, their rent was probably triple, and there was a lot of inherent advantages that we had in the area, and plus I was right next to all these farmers. So even though we are in a city, we're really close to farmland. So for me, it was about not focusing on the negative of like, oh my gosh, it's so tough to sell around here, and focusing on the positives and then just expanding our brand to relate those to the public. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. I, so your business is great. I, I think you guys are a huge impact, have made a huge impact on this area. And um, it's always intriguing to me. I didn't know you were doing the online thing. Like Baird Brothers is another one. So Baird Brothers Sawmill, they sell, I just found out about it, they sell so much wood and products outside of this area. They're huge. I mean, I think that's the majority of their business. Mm -hmm. So do you see that as being a a better business model for you is online and shipping and perishables and is that then in the store is something you do for the community and something for fun definitely i well i think that when my dad built the store that we're in now i think it was 
it was meant for then, it was not meant for the future. I think that less people now go into retail stores. Like we just want to buy things on our computer and on our phone and we want it fast and we want it to come to us when we want it. And we want to see the tracking whenever we want to see it and it needs to get there pretty fast, right? Amazon taught us that, that we want this thing now. It better come to us even on a Sunday. And so with that experience, people are less apt to do shopping. So we're struggling, our store is struggling with being a large retail store during nine or 10 months of the year when people don't wanna shop retail. Thanksgiving's always gonna come, Christmas is always gonna come. Even though we buy online, there's still a certain segment of each generation that still wants to touch and feel and see. So for us, I do think the future is probably smaller retail outlet and a bigger commitment to being able to deliver people goods using an online portion. How, not, not the whole plan, but how do you take this scale, this business and scale it into a national business, which you're right, could be anywhere. It doesn't matter where it is and it might as well be in a place where there's cheap rent. You condense first, you know, condense first. We have a large building right now, 4,100 square feet. I think we need to condense first to grow because the way that our store is currently constructed, and this kind of goes back to, to saying no, um, the store is constructed as Cthulhu Prime Meats. There is only one owner, and that's me, and I'm Danny Cthulhu, and people see me on TV, and they come in the store, and they ask for Danny Cthulhu. So every time I'm not there, like, oh, where's Danny? It's like, man, probably we're golfing. Yeah, yeah, probably hanging out back there. It's like 75 hours a week we're open. I can't be on the floor every single minute. Um, and that's not, that's not easily replicable. You know, so we can't do two Cthulhu Prime Meats because then someone else is going to be asking for Danny Cthulhu at the next place. And so it would be really hard to, to do that. Whereas online and being able to have maybe smaller stores in larger cities, um, with this being the, the hub for the manufacturing, which would be like the meat cutting plant could be here because of it being cheap, like I said, and being close to the, connected to the animals. Um, we'd be able to do a lot more here as the hub but then be able to have those offshoots companies throughout the country. Cool. I have a quick question for you, Danny. Yeah. Say you do downsize, would you guys stay in Tiffany South Plaza or would you come more toward the city? I, um, I don't know. You know, and I think that's we'll get one, of the, one, of the, one of the difficulties that it is to put a grocery store or someone that does food into Youngstown, just talking about that specific problem with Dom for a long time, is that there aren't a lot of people that have the discretionary income to spend on groceries that live towards downtown. Mm -hmm. So although there are people working downtown and people going to school downtown, your grocery bill is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, you know, most likely your parents' grocery bill. Is your brand strong enough that people will come to Youngstown? I don't think anybody's brand is strong really? enough. Yeah. For, for food, I think it would be really difficult because, you know, you're still They're making that still. trek. Yeah. And we saw it just from moving from the south side towards the suburbs, mm -hmm. it just was, you know, we went from, you know, 1.2 million in sales to two, just from making that trek over to where people were. I think just, we're busier. Most of our families, both parents work for the first time in a long time, you know, a whole generation, like where it was eh, maybe 50% of my father's generation where their wives worked and hardly any of my grandfather's generation. You know, when my, with my grandfather's customers, with the mom not working, that was she shopped and she spread out the week. So there was a Monday shopper, a Tuesday shopper, a Wednesday shopper. Now people are busy. They come from four to six after work, 
or they like to come during the weekends. So our Sundays, which was just, you know, used to be closed, everyone used to be closed on Sundays, are not slammed. It's like maybe the only day that both people are off of work. So I think it'd be really hard, be really hard to convince people to come to us downtown <laughs> when there's not a lot of shopping experience for them to be around as well. We're still going to work on them to get downtown, though. <laughs> what about, the, um, what about any oh, students, do you have any questions first? Right. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, applies, this applies mostly to both of you, but also you as well, since you said that your uh, family owns Youngstown Cycle Supply, right? Mm -hmm. And then you chose the different route on that. So what do you think is the value, both for community and just for you getting started, of continuing a family business versus starting out on your own? So I think we, we are both examples of that is... When you're starting, first of all, there's, it's a double-edged sword with some people. I happen to like my family, I'm sure. You know, so I happen to get along with my family, and it works. There are some people who it is not a good idea to work with their family. <laughs> so the best part about it is my business partners are also my family. And that's a huge, huge thing, a trust factor mm -hmm. in what, what you can do. So that's one thing. The second thing is that there was a business already built, if you call a medical practice a business, and it was already built, and the reputation was already there for 25 years before I even set foot. When I walked in the door, I had instant credibility. Now, I could have screwed it up, and I could have really you know, messed up the reputation, but people accepted me from the moment I started, instantaneously, because of, oh, you must be a chip off the old block. Right. That's huge. Yeah, and you can't... That's very expensive to buy, let's just say that, to buy that credibility. I know for my father didn't, didn't help me pay for college, and he gave me a store that was laden in debt, but he gave me a name that I could never pay for. And I know just even starting my other two businesses, how difficult it is to build a brand. And I already had one pre-built for me. I, people came in and they trusted me because they trusted my dad, they trusted my uncle, and my grandfather. And that was something that was, I think, uh, like a hidden benefit that maybe I wasn't, I maybe took for granted for because I just always thought that's how other businesses were until I started working with other people and other businesses and they had to really like work on saying we're great at customer service. And like you never had to because every time we've heard about your father or the Mimos was like, they're going to be great. They're going to treat you well. They, they're going to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that was beneficial to me starting out. Yeah, I mean, thank you. I, with my family business, to speak on that, I, my uh, my family most most of the business was service related. Was actually working on motorcycles. Mm -hmm. So you know, I spent plenty of time helping out here and there and working in the shop. And I realized super fast that I am horrible with a wrench, just <laughs> terribly mechanically inept. I mean, it was just it was bad. So. My thought process was, you know, I, I needed to learn something that would be valuable. Even if I did come back and, and be able to help the family business, which I do now, just from a completely other aspect. You know, I'm not involved in the day-to-day, -day, but I've helped them on the background of a lot of their different um, ventures. So I, I was able to stay involved and contribute something that was far more valuable than me breaking my finger every day and ruining <laughs> people's motorcycles. And so... <laughs> A very interesting take Thank on you. each of you. Good question. Anybody else have questions? Yeah. Um, 
I think you've all sort of touched on this, but from living in other places or being in different cities, what are some of the things that you've brought back to Youngstown that you've learned in other places? Good question. So for me, it was a different type of surgery. And um, so that was my big career goal when I started here is I went and did some special training and learned the special techniques that make a big difference in outcomes. And for me, I was like, I want to, I, when I was learning this, I was like, I want to, they should have this in Youngstown. I want to do this in Youngstown so that Youngstown has the same thing that they have in Pittsburgh and Cleveland. That was truly, I mean, my, my motivation is, and it, it, you could do the same stuff anywhere. Yeah, I think we take for granted like Facebook and digital marketing and that almost every company that you see now has a Facebook page. When I first came back, that was not true. And it was true in other cities, but it was not true in Youngstown. So one of the things that I brought back was teaching people how to use digital marketing and social media. And it sounds so funny now, but I remember speaking for the regional chamber and doing like a business class. And there was 50, 60 people there, business owners that I was explaining Facebook and Twitter too. And so I remember like starting off the conversation thinking that I was talking about like step three, step four, unique, unique uh, URL, you know, like facebook.com backslash Catulo primates, instead of having those funky numbers, like how to teach people how to do that. And I asked people how many people were using Facebook and there was three out of like the 60 people that were, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're gonna have to go back to step one about why we're using Facebook. Uh, it really helped me as a, as a business because that's one of the reasons why I won that FedEx small business grant was it was a Facebook and digital marketing contest along with your story and video. And so because we were sort of first on, we were looked upon of being like kind of like cool, innovative company. So a lot of people from here were voting for us. But I thought I wanted, you know, one of the things I wanted to give back was to be able to teach people why this was important and how you could be able to connect with people that were from the area that moved away. And that's what Facebook really brought for us. And connecting it now with an online store, those were my first really easy customers. People that were from Rust Belt cities that had a story about a butcher shop. You know, we have this European influence here that isn't present in a lot of cities throughout the country. So that was like somewhat, some reason it connected business for me and it's now, you know, like you see Baird Brothers and, and other businesses around here using those tools, it's pretty cool to see. One of the things that I've seen uh, that, that I've implemented in the last couple of years has been uh, some of the changes in our work environment uh, at our office. I've had a lot of friends and I've, I've done a lot of traveling to visit them and see kind of their workspaces, whether it's in, in LA or in Chicago or in New York or even in Cleveland, Pittsburgh, there's some things that are just a little bit different about work environments. So, uh, you know, public accounting is generally a, an, an old man's game. It's a suit and tie kind of thing. You walk in, it's kind of, uh, it, it's more of a stuck up kind of quiet environment where, you know, people aren't necessarily listening to music. It's, you walk into an office and it's just silent. Um, and, and I started in that and I saw, not to, not to throw them under the bus, but I worked at Hillbarth and King, one of the larger firms in town. And it's just, it's, it's creepy silent inside of this building. Um, so one of the things that I've seen elsewhere is how, how impactful having a more comfortable work environment can be uh, that's enjoyable to the talent in, in getting people to stay. 
So I, I've been able to use some of those things and encourage people to come in and have a good time and, and you know, work together and listen to music and, and dress more comfortably and, and do some of those things. So uh, Youngstown sometimes can be a little bit resistant to change, um, but I've, I've been lucky to have some people um, working with me as far as partners go that have allowed me to kind of implement some of these things, and, and it's, it's been fantastic. Everybody, it's been, it's allowed us to challenge and, and even change some of the other environments in town. Um, I see some of the other firms doing some things that they haven't done otherwise. Maybe not necessarily specifically because we're doing it, but you know we're attracting talent because it's a more enjoyable place to work. So hopefully, indirectly, maybe that's causing them to make their places a more enjoyable place to work. You bring up a good point of just like sometimes speaking up for change at your work environment, you know, you're working for somebody at a college, that doesn't mean that you have to work within the same parameters. You could bring up ideas for change. Just be thoughtful and, you know, use specific examples of stuff that you might have learned from your friends that are working in other states or other cities and see if it can be, you know, applicable here. Uh, it, it is tough to change people, but um, if you can be able, they're also in a position for a reason, probably because they're good listeners and they want to They've been able to adapt their business to be successful in this area. You have to be, you know, be able to adapt. So just don't be afraid to speak up. I know for me, I like to hear. I like to, if you have thought behind the idea, I, I want to hear it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's much better than at the end of your employment with me saying, I wish Absolutely. we would have done that. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we would have put Italian music up front. Well, why didn't you say that when you were working up front? We could have maybe just got Spotify. You know, like it didn't have to be that hard. You know, but... <laughs> You know, it just wasn't one of the things that I was thinking of, you know, I've, with the other million things that go on for right. during your day. Right. Anybody else have, so I think most of you have asked questions. Anybody else? I have one. Um, it's for any of you or all of you. Is there anything that you wish, um, like getting starting in your career, that you would have done leading up to it to kind of get your foot in the door, like advice for college students? They can, I don't know. I think mine would have been, um, you know, come back to that, uh, that concern about time, you know, is, is starting everything earlier. Um, I, I've been able to accomplish a, a decent amount in a short period of time, but I, I always think, you know, had I started, started something a little bit sooner, or had I gone back and started, you know, building my network a little bit sooner, and, you know, I, I was so focused on um, working and getting myself through college that I, I kind of rushed through a lot of that process. You know, I worked 50, 60 hours a week washing semi trucks so that I could pay myself through college. Well, I, I could have had a little bit more debt and actually enjoyed what college was all about, you know, and meeting more people and networking more and doing some of those things. So, um, you know, I, I think that had I appreciated some of that time here a little bit more, um, that would have been something I probably would have done a little bit differently. As far as getting my foot in the door, it, the medical world is kind of different than the business world. So it's, it's a lot based on your scores and this and that kind of stuff. So I don't know that the medical field would be a good example of things I would have done differently. Because I, I was able to do what I wanted, which is urology and this. And if I hadn't gotten that, then I might look back and say, well, I should have done this research or this or this, you know, so. 
and it's, it is a double-edged sword because I worked a lot when I went to school, and then when I decided I was going to come back, I was going back and forth from Columbus. So I was taking classes on Tuesday and Thursday and then driving back most weekends uh, to come back to work, you know, to Youngstown. So I was making that two-and-a-half-hour drive a lot. And one of the reasons was I wanted to prove my worth to the people that I was going to end up managing. And then I did not know I was going to own the store that early, but, you know, I ended up owning it pretty early. And I'm glad I did because I got to see my hard work ethic right next to them, especially while I was going to school. And I, I now, you know, it's like, oh, my God, this is my 18th Christmas at Catullo's. And I'm like, maybe I should have relaxed a little bit and, and not worked so much while I was going to school. But at the same time, I know for employees that I am looking to hire, especially in management positions, um, as we've gone to now, you know, luckily being able to hire college graduates in our management positions. I'm looking for work experience because I'm looking for someone that can show they've managed their time. And so if someone comes to me and says, I was only able to go to school, I wasn't able to work 10 hours a week while I went to school, I'm going to be very concerned when they have something else in their life like a family or some problem that might take up 15 to 20 hours of their week, how are they going to be able to combat that and a, you know, a 35 to 40 hour workload? Um, because you have to sometimes put that aside and then go to work too. And so I think showing that you can manage your time, whether it be through something like volunteering, um, especially working somewhere, doesn't have to be necessarily in the field, really shows that you're committed to organizing your time and still was able to do that. I would much rather hire someone with a little bit less of a GPA that has work experience than someone that has a much better GPA and hasn't shown that they could be able to do that with work. Yeah, I was actually, I was just talking down at the business college and they were asking for resume tips. And I, I told people, I, I don't even look at people's GPAs. I don't really care. I mean, somebody with a, a 2.3 GPA and a 4.0 GPA to me doesn't doesn't tell me a whole lot if that was the only thing that you were doing. I mean, if you were just in school and you got a 4.0, that's great. I mean, you, you showed some tenacity. You, you got the job done. You, you, you were perfect. Um, but, you know, life isn't, isn't perfect, and, and there's no answer in a textbook. So, you know, just having some of that chaos as far as having that in your background and having that exposure of working in school and juggling and, and whether it be a family or kids or, or whatever is, is something that is uh, extremely important when, when I'm looking for hiring. But um, it's, I, I, would never, I would never change necessarily the, the route that I went, but you know, tweaking things a little bit. Very good advice, especially for somebody I've been home four years now, and when I came back, I, at, at some point I met with all these guys over coffee or something for advice, and same with Jim and Ian before these speakers, and they all told me, learn how to say no, value your time, and it took me, it took me all these four years being home to figure it out. I mean, I'm you still were, figuring it out. <coughs> you were a good example, and I think you, you potentially could still be, a, but you were on like this, you were so determined and so driven to like do it, and I, and I think probably most of these guys are like, that's awesome, go, but yes, yes. don't burn out like yeah. your rocket engine so quickly, right. you know, because that's I, important. I, I, I was close to doing it in a lot of different times, and then finally, I think you have to go through that at some level. We're hoping that these this advice is, you know, is uh, you're absorbing this, because there were times when I was like, I'm spitting in the wind here, I gotta, I gotta leave, like, 
It's easier. That's not. It's not easier anywhere else. Um, you gotta just think smart, think clean, think simple, and you realize who's wasting your time and who you need to who you need to do certain things and who maybe you don't. And it's nothing personal. It's just that's how life is. Things come up. And to, to Tim's point and all of your point, I've been giving a lot of advice to some of our interns that have come through here now graduating, one had, who had just graduated, um, and they all were, you know, maybe I want to go to grad school, maybe I want to take some time off, maybe I should take this job. And you got to look at it. I've never looked at a GP on a resume. I mean, I was, I was not an honor student. Um, so you guys have a leg up already because you're exposed to all these types of great activities in your curriculum. I mean, you're obviously very bright people, but I've always told each one of those interns, never pass up a good opportunity to work. Uh, even my brother right now, he's got a semester left, and some guy found one of his, he's a telecom major, I think, and he started marketing, found something he liked, learned a skill, kind of like you, you know, he, this is a family business he can get involved with, but, you know, he maybe he doesn't want to do that, so... It's great, and he's almost graduating, and he almost said no on a great opportunity because it would push back his graduation semester. And I looked at him, I said, "What? What are you? What? Are you, why? Why not?" The guy that is asking him is doing videos for LeBron James and Parker Hannifin, and you know, all over the country. So that's valuable experience. And when you're when you're you know signing up for classes and paying rent and working, hopefully, you know, some type of job or playing a sport and doing your schoolwork and living life, it's really easy to forget about. Well, maybe the opportunity that's in front of you. So, you know, use these resources. You've had five people come in front of you now and speak, and I know a lot of other people that I'm sure would love to give you valuable advice, and you do too. You know, you have family, you have friends, you have your networks. Don't be afraid to just not do something sometimes for a second and take a deep breath and, and really think it through. Uh, that's, I think, the, maybe the most valuable advice at the end of the day that these guys are giving you right now. But before we let them go, because it is after six, and that's when we kind of start to do our debrief and to go over your projects individually, I do want to ask all three of you, uh, you touched on it through and through, why Youngstown? And that's why Youngstown to anyone out there thinking about staying, uh, maybe leaving, or those maybe coming back. So you could do it in a word, a sentence, or however you feel fit. To me, it's, it's just opportunity. Um, more than anything else, uh, it's, it's the opportunity that Youngstown has to offer. Uh, there's there's a, a lot of things that you can get accomplished here, not just on a on a micro scale. Um, we've been able to change. Danny talks about from a retail side of things how you can have an impact nationally from having a hub here in Youngstown. Um, we've started a completely separate part of our business, which is business process outsourcing. So we actually do work for companies all over the United States, and all the work is done here in Youngstown. Uh, we're, we're tied in directly to the university with a great business college, um, so we've got an opportunity for great staff to come in and do this work for companies all over the United States. Um, I personally don't feel like that would be as easy in another area. Um, so there, regardless of your industry, whether it's, it's, it's retail or accounting or, or legal or medical, I, I think that the opportunity here um, to tap into fantastic resources is just absurd. So so for me, uh, when I was, I was planning on coming back and when I was in Pittsburgh 
doing a fellowship, so it was a one-year deal. At the end of it, the guy, the chairman there, who's this like big name guy, came up to me and said, he said, why don't, why don't you come stay here and work with us? And I was very flattered by that. I mean, this is a big guy in our in, in our field. And I thought, well, that's that's amazing. I started, you know, looking at it like, it's an opportunity here. I mean, this is I could be at a big UPMC, become a, a potentially turn my career into this big name thing where I speak here and do this. And what I really boiled down to, I didn't give it too much thought, was I wanted to be here. I like it here for the reasons we've all talked about. I like being a small fish. My personality, I like to be, or I'm sorry, a big fish in a small pond. I like the smaller pond. I like the idea of all these things, again, that we talked about, connectivity with other people. And I, I operate better on an interpersonal level than, like, you know, teleconferences and that kind of thing. And then I just figured you ha we have everything here, university, hospitals, cheap park. living. What? The park. The park. I mean, we got everything yeah. here. This is a great place. The bigger thing was con convincing, really, at, from the beginning, of my wife. My wife's not from here. She's from PA. And at first, she does have family here, so it was a plus. But at first, she she's always she's always said to me like, "Why do you love it here so much? You know what, what's so great about it?" And she's starting to talk that way. You know, it's been taking a while for. And she didn't hate this place, but I think people who aren't from here don't have that same desire. But after being here, she understands that too. So. Quick question. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Take away from you. How do you convince? Loved ones of staying because their boyfriend and I both grew up here and he's kind of wanting to run. You just use ultimatums work really well. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that's good Tom, relationship Tom advice. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great advice in any relationship. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, that's like the worst thing you can do. I don't know. I think for me, for me, it was more an opportunity to join this practice. And my wife, I think, came here kind of thinking, well, well, this is a good opportunity for us. I'm not enamored. You know, it's very hard to convince. We try to get people to work for us, like doctors come in. And it's hard. We've had some really good people come in. They really liked our group, all this stuff. And their wife is, they say, I don't live in Youngstown, Ohio. People who don't know this place don't think highly of it. You go to Akron and Cleveland, where I've spent a lot of time, they think this is like, you, you have to have a bulletproof vest on if you're walking in the street because you're going to get shot, for sure. I think the more stuff you do, too, in the area helps. I mean, you go to the park, you go to the events, you go to, you know, the parties downtown, you go out to eat, you go to the, 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 the playhouse, you go to Stanball, you go to Butler, you, you go and find all the hidden treasures that are here. And, you know, the more that somebody that's kind of wavering sees that wealth of, of culture here, I, it, it's, it's hard to walk away from that. And, and I think the people that, that walk away don't even really, truly know what they're walking away from. So, I mean, drag them into those things or, or, or show them those things and say, hey, let's go check this out. Hey, let, you know, make a list of things. Um, I remember Phil Kidd yeah. had a great list. Yeah, if you Google it, top of, 10 things um, to do. Take your boyfriend, all those things. Yeah. <laughs> He's from here? Yeah, he, goes, he went to South Range. He goes to Kent right now. So let's talk long term. So the one thing that will draw people back is, let's say you guys get married, and let's say you have a child, that'll be, it'll be much easier to convince them that. So maybe you go away for a little bit and, and see. But I mean, that, that seems to be a big factor that I see people moving back, not just here, but anywhere. They want to be by, once you have started kids, you, you tend to go closer to your family. Oh, my mom and dad are like, no. 
Well, so your two pieces of advice were ultimatums and <laughs> yes. pregnant. <laughs> uh, the doctor. The yes. advice. For the podcast. Yeah, we're going to delete that segment from the podcast. But, uh, he did mention marriage first. Yes. 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 Uh, I, think, I think getting away is, is actually a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, I know for me, it was, it was nice to get away. Um, for you know, just a peace of mind, and also to experience things, to come home and then want them to be here. And you know, you're probably in this class, and you guys have all given your reason because you like change. You like being at the forefront of change in some certain way, and you're not really sure like how you can be a part of that. Um, it's it's a lot easier to know what you don't have if you've gone and seen it somewhere else. And so when I saw something else. And then came back here and they're like, man, I would like to have salami and wine at an art gallery in Youngstown. Because I got to experience that in Chicago or in New York or in Columbus. And so going away for me was like, I came back, one, I realized a lot of things were here. But also the things that I could change, want to change, that I could be at that forefront that changed because I knew it and I experienced and I saw how it made the community better. And so sometimes going away can be an enlightening experience as well. I was just going to add a quick comment. Is I actually had that exact same experience. Um, when I was 17, I just picked up and I decided I was moving to Chicago because I decided I was going to be a big city girl and I grew up here my whole life. And I kind of adhered to that famous stereotype, like the you screwed up, why issue stereotype. And I was like, I got to get out of here. No, I'm done. And after about a year, I was like, it's not bad there. Why, why did I think all these things? I was like, and this isn't heaven either. I mean, like, Chicago's great. But I was like, this isn't paradise, and that's not terrible. And I think I like being home more now because I choose to be here. It's not like, oh, I grew up here, and this is where I am, and I'm stuck, and I'm here. Like, I choose to be here. I still choose to be here, and... I like to stay here now. <laughs> well said. Yeah, and it'll keep you in, in making a choice to come back home. I know it, it then becomes yours yeah. instead of your parents. Exactly. And I think that was a turning point for me to fall back in, to fall back in love with the area. And then, you know, then it, it opens your eyes. Like, I chose to be here. I chose to live in this area. Mm-hmm. I like going to these things. I mean, like you said, there's just so much around here that I enjoy. And I love going to doctors that I know their name. And I love going, and that's not that's the case. Not, no. Like, yeah, like, like I was just you live in a different someone, city. Talking to somebody from Florida, I mean, Florida's the extreme, where it's just this mess. And we do. I mean, we have, you, you, you go places and you see your doctor or you see your patient. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's cool, you know? I mean, that's, yeah. I, I don't know that that's what people go stay in Youngstown, but I mean, it's like those kind of things that connect you to the people in your community. We're accountable, too. Yes. I'm not going to screw you up. Yeah, because I'm going to see you at NBR, yeah. You're right. You're a prop. Any other questions? No? Any questions about your projects that you think, after hearing these guys, might be able to help you? Yeah, ask away. Come on. Well, Carly and I actually, uh, Carly and I are doing a project for the City of You, 
um, that goes along. Why don't with you explain the city of you to them real quick? For okay, the, so um, it's basically just bringing an appreciation to Youngstown, kind of like what I was talking about, breaking down those stereotypes um, and showing what Youngstown's worth and not necessarily what people say it's worth. Um, so that's what Carly and I are focusing on is um, breaking down all those stereotypes you hear like murder town, you know, mafia, whatever, and showing what we really are instead of what we're made out to be. And we're focusing on um, people that have interesting stories of why they choose to be here. Like people that could be anywhere else they want to be or people that come from different countries, whatever their story may be, but they choose to be here and they love being here. Um, and we're doing ours in a video interview form, kind of, you know, different clips versus, you know, longer ones for your more specific questions. Um, and if any of you would like to be in it, um, I can give you our contact information, um, and we could definitely set up an interview, something like that, whenever you're available. Awesome. Yeah. Happy to. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you. That'd be great. And uh, I've seen it. I've seen some of the beginnings of this, and it's mm -hmm. it's really neat. So. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to focus on positives. Right. Changing perceptions. Yep. Anybody else have uh, questions? I have a question. Um, so. My project is, I'm working with YSCScape and City of You, kind of together. Um, on one of their work days, I'm going to be hosting an event afterwards to bring not only the volunteers for YSCScape together, but also the people in the community that they were affecting to kind of like, you know, make that connection. And so I'm thinking about hosting an event and everything, and I'm going to need some food. So Danny. Get the beef jerky, I'll be there. But um, not necessarily like... Well, you give me food, but how would I? How would be an effective way to go about um, going to some local businesses and trying to figure out how to get that sponsorship um, and donation of that to make this event a success? Yeah, that's that's really difficult. I know just from the people that requested from us. Mm -hmm. I think being specific in your request and also cognizant of what value it's going to bring back to the business is important. So if you can't promise value back. That's fine, just don't promise it. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I would rather someone say, I need help because of this, than saying, it's going to be great for the community if your food's there. And, you know, most likely the 15 or 150 people won't become customers or were already customers of mine, which could be even worse mm -hmm. because I'm donating now to somewhere where they were already buying from me. Mm -hmm. So I, I would just rather something honest. And then, you know, from a perspective of, what value is it going to bring to me? And then also understanding where else you can be able to get those from. So having like, if you're going to have, for example, sandwiches there, you know, maybe go to Schwabel's or, and see what you can work out with, with like their outlet bakery for their day old bread. And then be like, okay, I'm going to ask for you for ham and I'm going to go to De Niro for cheese and I'm going to go to Schwabel's for bread. And then going to the, our businesses and saying, I'm going to Schwabel's De Niro and for you, I'm hoping that we could be part of these three businesses that are helping us with the sandwich. Well, for me, it's a lot easier, a lot cheaper. And then I also know the owner of those two to be like, oh, now if they're donating, you know, I should probably be on board too. I think it would just, you know, it makes for a better plan than when someone asks me to donate sandwiches. Because now it's like, oh man, I have to go find bread. I don't, you know, I don't, yeah. I'm not making the bread, so I have to go buy it. So now it's like money out of my pocket to go buy it. And then I have to go buy the cheese from somebody else. So like 
just like yeah. that sort of concept, I would say. You know, maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe Danny, maybe the volunteers or the residents from the neighborhood know about the tools, but maybe they don't know that they can ship a steak for Christmas or something. So maybe if you had a flyer, so if you have De Niro and Schwabels and Catullos, you had all their logos on it and a link or however they prefer to, to get their marketing out so that you're adding some value to their business or potentially right. doing that. Yeah. Okay. And Sarah, also, I don't know what time of like, year you're planning this, but I do know a local coffee shop who just got a larger pot to do hot chocolate in. And I could talk to like my business partner to see if he likes hot chocolate there. Definitely. Something like that. No, it's going to be in the November time. So. So lots of hot chocolate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some deep fried turkey. <laughs> I'll deep fry them if Danny gives them to you. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> okay. okay, anybody else have project specific questions? Dan? <laughs> no. Nothing. All right. Evan, any more questions? No. Megan? Megan Evans or Megan Factor? Megan for Megan? No, for both. No? Okay. All right. Uh, you guys want to ask them any questions? No? The last speaker... Your position. Shortstop at third base. Oh, yeah, he's a big baseball enthusiast, so... Um, last speaker did grill them pretty hard, though. You asked him a lot of questions, so... <laughs> they could use them maybe the week off, but if you have any... <laughs> Who was the last speaker? Ian Bettison. Oh, yeah. 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 He's going to say that. had two weeks off, so... It's true. Yeah, they've had the time off, so you can ask him questions <laughs> if you'd like to ask <laughs> No, maybe another word of advice though, because I, uh, being on point is, is definitely something that you have to be cognizant of when you're in this area. So if you hopefully do decide to stay and do become an influ influential member of the community to understand that no matter where you're at, whether it be the bar, um, a baseball game in Cleveland or somewhere, that you most likely will probably see someone from Youngstown and understand how you are during that time period. So no, not just being, not just being drunk, but also not complaining about your work or the way that you speak and present yourself. That you have to be conscious of the other people that could be around you. I know, like just we just went to the Indians playoff game, and for you know we just were having fun, and I wasn't doing you know anything but having fun with my friends. But at the ninth inning, the guy looks in front of me and says, "Hey, why don't you put a store in Canfield?" And I was like, you know, I had no clue. <laughs> you know, he was standing me, yeah, you know, standing me the whole time. And, you know, here it was, someone that owns the development, you know, in Huntington Woods. Um, you know, and, and that, you know, is the Reese, the Reese family. And he looked back and he, he knew who I was the whole time. But for eight innings, he never introduced himself or said anything to me. But it just, you know, it proves a point. Let's say I was not at my best. And maybe I was swearing about Youngstown or saying that it was stupid. Or maybe I was talking about one of the businesses that he owned. You know, and I just wouldn't, maybe it rolled off my tongue, but it, it took me a little bit, you know, from when I first graduated college to now, to understand that sometimes people are listening, and to make sure that you are on point and cognizant of the situation that you're in, so that would be a recommendation. And to that same point, I mean, it, just not necessarily your physical presence, but your social media presence. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. man. That's huge. Just unbelievable. I mean, it, there's so many people that you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going out and I'm prospecting and I'm looking for employees and I'm looking for, and they come and they give me a resume. The first thing that I do is type them in Google, you know, and, and yes, sure, I'm going to look at the LinkedIn page that, you know, has everything that is nice and professional. <laughs> yeah. and on it, but I'm looking, looking for, for your, your Instagram, page, yeah. I'm looking for your Snapchat, I'm looking for everything that I can 
to see what I mean because you're going to represent me. I mean you're going to represent my company, my family, and and my city. Um, so, man, it's it's unbelievable, and it's and it's not just taking pictures when you're out getting drunk, or you know, it's it's being maybe a little bit too over opinionated about the election, or you know, posting some some videos that are just stupid, or you know, you've got to be. If you're gonna do that, you need to put the right layers and security and, and filters so that people can't see all that. Stuff. Actually, to that point, I mean, Jim Costler. Uh, I don't. I'm on, not really on social media, but I heard some stuff. Did you? I mean, he's a great guy. Jim is a huge guy, but he's very opinionated about this election, mm-hmm. and he's made some comments on social media. And he probably is at the point in his career. He's like, screw it, I don't care. No, he said, he told us that he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> but he said he did tell them to be cognizant though, because they're not at that. Stage but I've yet. heard talk in the community about stuff he's saying. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. And he's an influential enough guy that people right. know who he is. Right. <coughs> Certainly. But uh, yeah, yeah and, I, and because we're in a small community, even if you have a private Facebook to only your friends, you know. We might be friends with you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or, yes. you know, we might be friends with your, with your friends because it's such a, you know, such a small community. It's, it's pretty easy to find out a lot about you. So, yeah, definitely. It can go both ways. It can help you, you know, double your business you. or it can help you just make no one want to do anything with you. Yeah. Always be aware of your surroundings. And I remember my grandparents and parents, and they're right, someone's always just think about it. Someone's always watching you because they are. Whether it's because, you know, Youngstown is this place of there's one degree of separation. There's a lot of ethnicity. People came over here and they figured out how to network very quickly, and they're in integrated cultures. Or the fact that, you know, we lo- we lost forty percent of our population in the last three decades, and literally there's people from Youngstown living all over the world. Um, you know, I was at an Indians game with Dan and his son not too long ago, and the guy in front of us was an umpire. From Struthers, and luckily his son plays baseball, and he was acting behaved and was respectful because <laughs> kick, you know, the guy could have struck him out real easily next time he was umpiring a game or something. So, it's it's very true. So take that to heart. Okay, well with that, um, you know, it's been a pleasure having all three of you speakers. I think we'll give them a round of applause. Uh, it's nice to have three. It's our first time having multiple speakers at a time, and uh, appreciate. Each one of you guys joining us today, and uh, we will invite you to maybe view their projects at the end as these things take shape, and some of them might be reaching out to you beyond tonight. And uh, as the previous speakers have offered, you know, tours of their campuses and stuff, I think you know where you can find these three. Um, hopefully, you're not finding yourself in Dan's office anytime, <laughs> but uh, if something's going on. Your man up fundraiser, or if you do need consult, I think they would all be happy to have you reach out to them or if you want me to do it for you, I, I, I would obviously oblige. So thank you again and thanks for coming during, you know, busy week and uh, after hours. So thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All righty. We do get a picture too real quick with you and all the, the students. So line up. You could uh, let's do it. What do you want to do it? Want to do it with the maps in the background or does it matter, guys? No. You're all over there. Let's go on that side this time.